Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. In this monthly Market Insights, Phil Atreid, Head of Investment Consulting, talks to Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer, about the latest interest rate and inflation expectations, and whether investors should stick to the old adage, sell in May and go away. To find out about starting your investing journey with Barclays, visit barclays.co.uk forward slash investments. Hello and welcome to the May episode of Monthly Market Insights. I'm Phil Attree, Barclays Head of Investment Consulting. And once again, I'm joined by Will Hobbs, our Chief Investment Officer, as we're going to look at what's been going on in the world of investing. So, Will, we've made it past the first May bank holiday and the vaccine rollout in the UK, thankfully, continues at quite some pace. And it's also been a really positive few months, actually, for investors as well, with stocks in developed markets, the developed parts of the world, further surging after what was already a pretty impressive recovery from last year's slump. It's interesting to see the leaderboard also within this group, a little different from recent years, both in terms of the sector and the country performance. So UK stocks are very much leading the way, you know, a touch ahead of the US with energy and financial sectors in particular performing well. They're definitely the areas that are out in front. Now, I guess there was a little bit of lost ground to make up here. But Will, is it also the case that there's maybe been a bit of a change in investor expectations? Is that what's influencing where the money's being allocated? Yeah, certainly, Phil, you and I have spoken about this before, but sort of the sort of nature of the uh, recovery so far, the nature of the change of and expectations to get a little bit tangled up this year is influential, I think, because what you found is that with that you know, giant surge in demand. I mean, we really are seeing a boom at the moment. You're seeing big upgrades to, you know, we've seen the US in terms of expectations and the UK this week, you know, the Bank of England suddenly talking about a much faster pace of growth this year. And with that has come not only in part sort of prompted a surge in commodity prices, diversified commodity prices, that's been helpful for the UK and uh, because it indexes quite heavily, it's got a big exposure to the commodities index, energy and commodities. Uh, and the other thing that's happened with that, in a sense, A, the surge in uh, demand and uh, you know much better growth that you're seeing from the global economy has forced people to revise the sort of path of interest rates a little bit, expected in the future. And you found bond markets revising up. And it's also it sort of forced people to revise their expectations with, with regards to inflation a little bit. And those things have been helpful to us in some part to, to the financial sector. So two kind of until you know relatively recently out of favour sectors are now, you know, at the moment quite popular again. And um and what that meant is that because the UK is quite quite majors on those two sectors, the UK uh the FTSE, it's been one of the leaders so far. Quite. And I mean so the question maybe on many of our listeners' minds is do we actually expect the UK to continue to lead the way for developed markets in the months ahead? I mean, companies trading on the UK FTSE indices certainly feel like they've quite a lot of lost ground to make up from recent years, certainly post that UK referendum. Yes. I mean, it's um, it's hard to say how much the referendum played a role here. I mean, certainly there was, you know, I think that some people argued that the sharp fall in sterling uh, was a deterrent to some international investors looking at exposure in the UK in some instances. Difficult to say. But yeah, I mean, I think there was there was there were, there were some plausible arguments that international investors were underweight in the UK. Uh, post post uh, a little bit underweight the UK and some of that has been corrected uh, you know since with regards to sort of you know will it continue I'm afraid I've got a bit of a buzzkill answer here you know we obviously spend a lot of time at looking at something called return predictability 
And that is kind of, you know, if you pour your intellectual energies into trying to work out which area will outperform or sort of, you know, where to allocate more of, which areas show some sign of reward uh, for pouring those resources into that particular area. I'm afraid countries and styles uh, is not really one of them. Country sectors and styles, they don't tend to show much return predictability. So I'd be wary of those who would tell you too confidently what country sector or style is going to come next. Like I say, we spend a lot more of our time focusing at the asset class level where there is, in our opinion, a little bit more return predictability. You can look at a set of indicators and uh, and follow the, uh, you know, the follow the signals and allocate according to the signals a little bit more and make relative money as a result. But like I say, countries is not one of those areas. So it really, the UK is just part of that diversified mix. And we would say that, you know, it, it certainly looks attractive within that diversified mix. Um, but yeah, whether you should be allocating more now than you would normally, I, I'd be a little bit sceptical of that. And so in terms of the broader economic outlook, the first five months or so of the year, you know, it's surely going to be pretty hard to repeat as we look to the remainder of 2021. I mean, the world economy probably can't continue to accelerate at quite the same pace that we've seen during what we would, I suppose, see as the recovery phase. But is it also the case that maybe investor sentiment is also looking equally frothy uh, across the range of indicators that you and the investment teams watch? And, and dare I even mention sell in May, as the saying goes? Yes, Phil. I mean, it's it, it, <laughs> annually we get this, don't we? Yeah, and, and it's right. You know, the, the, the reality is it's bizarre, in my opinion, and we still haven't got a decent explanation for it. But returns are lower over the summer persistently uh, than they are for the rest of the year. And people can't really explain why. Not since, you know, all the city used to depart for the for the, sea, for the racing season was that ever the uh, ever the case. So, yeah, it, it, it's there. But I would say that from that point that returns have still tended to be positive over the summer from stock markets, just a bit less positive than they are for the rest of the year. And, and, and you're right about some of the other factors. Yes, the, you know, the growth impulse should peak at some point. Maybe it's already in the process of peaking or it should peak over the summer. And, you know, we've got to be aware that, you know, we're a long way from out of the woods with this, you know, pandemic. Yes, the situation in the UK and the US and Europe is improving. But actually, if you look at it globally, actually, we are now at a record case count for the entire pandemic globally. And in a couple of weeks time, we're likely to see, you know, a peak in deaths. I mean, you know, the highest ever, or, or, you know, deaths from COVID. So, you know, we're a long way from out of the woods, even if there is some success stories to tell. And I think the point about investor sentiment is well made as well. You know, yes, you know, people are, I wouldn't say they're giddy um, on our measure anyway, but certainly you would argue that there is less cushion for unexpected bad news than there was, you know, a few months back. People are just expecting a bit more. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the summer does look like it's, you know, you, you could be a bit more becalmed in terms of returns, but I wouldn't go much further than that, to be honest. Uh, and I'd still say, you know, obviously this is a self-serving response, but, you know, we get back to that strategic argument, which is that doesn't mean you should delay investing your assets, your overall assets. That is very much a tactical view. And the tactical views are held at the edges of your portfolio because that's all the conviction you can muster uh, in that short term view. Broadly speaking, you know, the fact that we may well be entering into the fourth industrial revolution, what many are terming, you know, this giant industrial transformation that uh, people are talking about, that is a reason to be invested Every day, you know, the more days you give yourself exposure to that potential, uh, you know, the luckier you are likely to be in terms of your long term returns. 
Yeah, quite. And I mean, I tease you with that saying, but it's always amused me since coming into the industry some nearly 25 years ago, the thought that world markets should pause their activity whilst the UK flat horse racing season <laughs> takes centre stage. I mean, it's an interesting investment strategy, but it is really funny how these things can stick. And I know Rob Smith has lots more to say on that point from a behavioural um, standpoint. But setting gambling aside, have the team been making any changes to our tactical positioning as a a result of some of the current market levels and and economic news flow that we've been seeing in the last month? Yes. So, I mean, we had a position, it was more of a kind of relative value trade in many ways. So we we had an overweight to develop market stocks and and that was paid for by an underweight to high yield credit, people call junk credit. And it was really just that we saw uh, a better range of outcomes for stocks versus high yield. Now, actually, that played out to some degree. You found that actually that added some performance to portfolios, that that position. We've narrowed it now a little bit. So we've taken away a little bit of stock exposure. uh, And we've actually put some of that. um, We've also closed uh, an underweight. Well, we've added a little bit back to government bonds, uh, which have obviously sold off quite heavily so far this year. So I would say the overall tenor of the tactical portfolio is is slightly less risk on. It, It wasn't very risk on anyway. There's you know many less positions than there were at some points last year, for instance. But yeah, we're slightly less risk on than we were, uh, but obviously always still looking for opportunities to add value. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Will. Always interesting to get your thoughts. And thank you, our viewers and listeners, for joining us today. If you would like to hear more from us before the next Monthly Market Insights, please do seek out our weekly podcast, Word on the Street, where we share all of our latest views on developments in the world of investing. Otherwise, Will and I very much look forward to being back with you next month. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.